So good to see you again. A um, couple of quick things. Uh, Kim Killebrew told us yesterday that they were right at 600 people that have already registered for the Rosario, Rosaria. So um, we fully expect about 1,000, maybe more people. So, uh, guys, it's a huge burning issue in our culture. Um, it's, it's not specifically addressed at the whole issue of gay marriage, but of course that's involved in it. So I, I hope you'll be um, f- try to find a way to be exposed to what she has to say. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, uh, the, uh, the end of the month in February uh, the 28th is a 25 years, 25 years celebration of our, um, of our history together or life together. And I hope um, there's going to be a meal. It's a sit-down supper, and um, the church is going to make it affordable so that everybody can, be, that can come. Um, I, I don't want to give any figures yet, but what I heard was a, quite, a, quite a little chunk out. Um, uh, over 50% of it is going to uh, be covered for you so that no one will have to miss being there. Um, it, it's, it's a night I hope you won't uh, stay away from. Hey, one more thing. Uh, let me remind you, if you have children in the nurseries or in the, uh, if you have children back there, uh, before you start eating dessert, you must go get your children. Um, the volunteers back there are wanting to come out and, and be with their buddies too. And um, so uh, don't, don't, don't get caught up in a conversation here until um, you've gotten your children and, and brought them up here with you. Um, guys, the, um, I hate to use the word trick. It's not a trick. It's, um, it's the goal, I guess, of, of public speaking, or at least, um, uh, preacher public speaking is, um, that what we're trying to do, or my goal always is to, to elevate, um, your real needs to the place of your felt needs, you identify felt needs. You have felt needs. Um, my marriage needs to improve. Um, I need to lose some weight. I uh, need more money. I need a better job. Um, I need more parental wisdom. Those are all felt needs. Um, but um, I, I think it, it, um, when, when Jesus in, in John 17 says, and this is eternal life, that they, that they know you, that they know the Father. I think it is fair to say that the real need is, is knowledge of God. And, and I, maybe you would expect a preacher to say that, and I, I get that, but um, l- let me offer you just a little bit of proof of the truth of that. Um, guys, um, you're going to agree with that statement when... Um, when your spouse walks out. You're going to agree with that statement when, you're, when your child is discovered to be on drugs. You're going to agree with that statement when, um, when you've been told that you have cancer. When, when I come to the emergency room to see you because your son or daughter, your teenage son or daughter have just been in a serious car accident, you're not going to be asking me questions about Sharia law or jihad what you're going to want to know then is what does God have to say? Has he said anything that could uh, calm my quivering and aching heart? 
um, it is it is it is fun, I guess, for a preacher to um, to to to, uh, to strike a chord that is so um, uh, such a real need among people. But uh, we've done that, and um, uh, we've addressed the whole uh, uh, Islam issue. So it, it's it's time. Um, to get back to the, the study of God's Word. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We, um, l- let me say to you that, that, that nothing is more relevant. Nothing is more relevant than the truth. Um, I, I forget who it was who said this. I think it was Lloyd-Jones who said that all of life is doctrinal. Um, sooner or later, guys, you act out what you believe. So, um, affecting what you believe about God and, and his description of reality. See, that's what truth does. Truth is the thing that helps us integrate with reality. And so um, to the degree that you do not have truth, you, you cannot, you disintegrate with reality. Reality um, throws you, it stumps you, it, 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 it's, it's, um, it's far more cruel than, than if you're armed with truth to, to confront it and to, and to integrate with it. So after a, a four-month hiatus, um, it, you know, <laughs> uh, we stopped in the book of Galatians uh, at the last Wednesday night of September. And then you, you may recall that we did those several weeks over uh, adoption um, and then we, we finished up the, uh, the fall with adoption, and then we opened up with those two about um, Islam. So tonight we, we resume. We get back to um, Galatians chapter 3. We, we kind of left it at, at verse 26, and, um, and tonight we get back to it. And, um, and I have to tell you that... <laughs> Um, a, a lot of it that, uh, you know, I'd love to finish up chapter 3 tonight. I'm not sure we can. But a lot of chapter th- 3, of these last, uh, beginning of verse 26 and, and through verse 29, four verses. There's a lot of doctrine in here. Now, um, you know, I, the, the, uh, the normal uh, Christian is not really, I mean, he would much rather me tell him uh, seven secrets to a happy marriage or four secrets to perfect kids or I don't have either one of those, but um, but I hope that you will begin to enjoy how how life gets pieced together as you um, as you discover things that are biblically and doctrinally true. Okay, now um, verse twenty six. Let me read you a verse. I, I, it's in the middle of a sentence, and that's not really smart to do, but I'm going to read from verse 26 through the end of the chapter. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. That's what we wanted. I'd like to try and cover tonight. I'm not sure we can, but... Um, Verse 26 is really a a simple statement of the gospel. 
It, 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 um, for in Christ Jesus, by the way, that's, you see the word you are all sons, that's where we took off and went into adoption. We spent those uh, six or seven weeks in adoption. For you are all sons in Christ, um, uh, sons of God, uh, through faith. Now, guys, um, this is something that I have said a whole lot, and, um, and, I, and I hope you're beginning to get that, or begin to get this, because I think fundamentalism has kind of um, mucked up the water some. Uh, verse 26 is a very clear example of an indicative. Okay? Do you see it? It's an, in, it's an indicative statement. Now, guys, you, you had enough English, of the English language that you remember what a, you know, you've got an uh, interrogative sentence. That's a question. You've got an exclamatory sentence. That's one with an exclamation point at the end. And then you've got an, an indicative. It's a statement of a fact. It's an indicative statement. And it says, you are all sons. That's an indicative statement. Now, what's so, uh, what's so important about that? Well, gang, the Christian gospel always starts with the indicative. And from the indicative, it then goes to the imperative. It always tells you who you are before it tells you what to do. It never starts by saying, well, you know, the Christian, I'll tell you what the Christian is, he's a Republican. You know, and he's anti-gay, and, uh, you know, uh, he does uh, private school education for his kids, and, uh, you know, he breastfeeds, or she breastfeeds. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what we are. No, ladies and gentlemen. No. Um, essence, we'll say it a different way. Essence precedes function. Gang, that's the gospel. You are something before you do something. And, 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 and this text says, you're all sons through faith. It starts by telling you who you are. You're a son. Now, if a son, then we behave a certain way. But you can never get those out of that order. And that's what I think in some fundamental circles we've done. We've assumed that, well, the Christians, they do this, they do this, and they do this, and they do that. Well, guys, first of all, we start with the definition of who we are. We are sons through faith. Now, as a result of understanding that, there, the imperatives follow. But the imperatives never come on this side. They always come after you understand the indicative imperatives, commands, do this, they always come after the indicatives. I say that all the time around here. Essence precedes function. That's a, um, that's a key distinction that you... Gang, Christian behavior doesn't make you anything. Mormons probably act nicer than we do. Um. The behavior doesn't make you. You're made one and then the behavior comes. You get that distinction? Boy, that's important. Um, I, I am something. The verdict is already in for me. I don't have to go into the courtroom and convince the judge 
by telling him all of my wonderful performances that I am. No. I go into the courtroom and the verdict is already in. I'm a son. And then out of that sonship flows a certain behavior. I, I hope you, you get that uh, because it's, it's critically important, I think. Now, um, we come to verse 27, and I, I'm telling you guys, um, I, I, I may do you somewhat of a disservice here because I could really spend a whole lot of time on this, on verse 27. I, and maybe you don't see, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ. Gang, verse 27 is a statement about our union with Christ. Our identity is found in Christ. We are in Christ. Okay, we have been baptized into Christ. Um, <laughs> it has to do with that word baptism, which, which uh, I mean, I could just guess. Um, I love to do this. Um, um, would you put your finger just right there and flip over just one book? I want you to go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and um, it's, a, it's a very simple statement. It's Ephesians 4, chapter, I mean, chapter 4, verse 5, and, and it says this. Uh, it's all it says. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay, do you see that? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Um, okay. Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, and he says to the Ephesian church, there's one Lord. Now, who is that? Well, good. good. We have one bold fellow here. I'm not opening my mouth because he's going to say no, and that's going to embarrass the dickens out of me. I'll just let some other fool uh, give him the wrong answer. No. We got one Lord, Christ. All right? You see, it's right there in four, four five. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay, we got one Lord, we got that. One faith. To what is Paul referring when he says there's one faith? What is he referring to? Okay, good. Um, there is one saving faith. You know, there's, there, there's lots of faith, you know, like uh, the, the demon's got a faith, but it's not a saving faith. But there's one saving faith. You got one Lord, Jesus. You got one faith that joins you to this Jesus. And now, one baptism. Tell me. What is the one baptism to which Paul refers in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5? <laughs> ah, okay. I, this is what I love to do. When, when, when a young couple comes to my class and they've had a new baby and they want to get the baby baptized and they're not figuring, you know, they don't want to figure, I don't know what, what's going on here. And, and um, I love to take them to this text and, and, I, and I warn them. I warn them, I'm about to trick you. I'm about to trick you. So just get your guard up. I'm about to trick you. And then I ask him this question. And they always get tricked. <laughs> and I warn them I'm going to trick them. Okay, are you ready? Here's, I, I, I'm going to trick you. Are you ready? Here's my trick. 
Do you have to be baptized to be saved? See? <laughs> you just fell into the trap. <laughs> You're saying, no, no, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, yes, you do. But now let me re-ask the question. Do you have to undergo the sacrament of baptism to be saved? No. But do you have to be baptized? Game. Sacraments are symbols. You know that. Um, when I was a kid, um, <clears throat> I used to love to watch all the war movies, you know. And um, my, my parents used to kid me about this. And, um, you know, the, the, the sands of Iwo Jima. You know, and, and um, you know, at, at the end, the Americans would win. And, and as they're rolling the credits, they, I mean, on numerous occasions, they would have the American flag, you know, flapping in the breeze. And, you know, they're rolling the credits, you know. And, and, and uh, as a young boy, I mean, I, <laughs> my parents would, you know what he used to do after those movies? He would stand at, and, and he would stand at attention when the, uh, the American flag was just wafting in the wind. Now tell me. What is the American flag? It's a symbol. It's a piece of cloth that has some red and some white and some blue. And it's got 50 little stars on it. But it symbolizes something, doesn't it? Something that many of us are very fond of. This country. Gang, the Christian church has some symbols. Um, primarily, two symbols. Um, the Lord's Supper and baptism. Baptism is a symbol. Okay? But a symbol, like the American flag, points to a reality. That piece of canvas that's, you know, flapping in the breeze, it points to this land of the free and home of the brave. It's a symbol that represents a reality. Do you get that? Baptism is a symbol. And it represents a reality. It symbolizes a reality. Now, I'll ask you my question again. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? Yeah. Yeah, you do. But not by the symbol. Do you have to undergo this or that or the other to be saved? No. Do you have to undergo the sacrament? No. Now, you should. If you haven't been baptized, shame on you. You should be baptized. It's important. But guys, do you have to have, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, do you have to have that baptism to be saved? You bet your bippy you do. Just as much as you must have that one Lord, that one faith, and that one baptism.
And I guess, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, is not talking about the sacrament. It's talking about the reality to which the sacrament points. That reality being, tell me again, the baptism, that one baptism is what? You said it a few minutes ago. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, guys. Gang, the term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is a, has some synonyms. You want some synonyms? How about, being, how about this one? The best one is regeneration. Baptism of the Holy Spirit equals regeneration equals born again equals rebirth. Those are all referring to the same thing. You know, um, um, John the Baptist says, um, I baptize you with water. But when he comes, he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. Gang, all I'm trying to show you is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5 is not talking about the sacrament. The thing that I do or Jonathan Todd might do, it's not talking about that. There's not a drop of water anywhere around Ephesians 4 or 5. Wasn't that cute? Nor is there any water in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Nor is there any water, and this is for my Baptist brethren, nor is there any water in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, which the Baptists take me to again and again to talk about baptism. Guys, if you want to talk about the reality, that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about the sacrament. Romans 6 is not talking about the sacrament. Galatians 3 is not talking about the sacrament. And, um, and Ephesians 4 is not talking about the sacrament. They're all talking about this work of the Holy Spirit Without which, ladies and gentlemen, none of us will ever see our sin and our need for a Savior. All right, you ready? I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you another curveball. Oh, I love to do this. I want you to go to 1 Peter. Okay. Um, this is a, this is one y'all all. I mean, I, I, people seem to know. First Peter three. Are you there? First Peter three. Are you ready? Here we go. Uh, verse twenty one. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Uh oh. Wait a minute, Jimmy Young. You just told me that baptism doesn't save you. Okay, look at it, ladies and gentlemen. Baptism now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body. He goes out of his way to tell you which one he doesn't mean. Not that one that you perform with water. Not that one. Um, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That baptism saves you. Guys, 
1 Peter 3 is not talking about the sacrament. Ephesians 4 is not talking about the sacrament. Romans 6 is not talking about the sacrament. And Galatians 3.27 is not talking about the sacrament. It's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit that once it is performed, we are drawn into a union with Jesus Christ. That's what the language means when it says you were baptized into Christ. By this work of God the Holy Spirit, you are now in Christ. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you're safe. Um, the only way you'll ever get to hell is if Jesus is sent there too. Because, guys, we are in union with Christ. That's what this language is all about. You're baptized. Let me look at verse 20. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, that is, as many of you as by the power of the Holy Spirit and regeneration were, were made to be in union with Christ. And then this language, put on Christ. Um, I, I don't know of a better way to illustrate. I, I mean, I, I tell you what, don't, don't, don't go there. It's just kind of hard to find. It's, it's way back in the, it's in the book of Zechariah. Uh, you know, you don't know where Zechariah, I mean, Zechariah um, chapter 3, if I can, if I can just, if you'll trust me to, I'm not going to misrepresent it, I promise, but um, this is a story about when Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Remember that story? Joshua the high priest, you know, the, the top dog in the Jewish world. Uh, it's, it's a visionary experience and, and, um, that Zechariah is having. And, and Joshua, the high priest, is standing before, not, not literally, but in his visionary experience, is standing before um, God and, and Satan is standing there to accuse him. He's guilty. He's guilty. Now, I know he's the top dog in the religious world, but he's still guilty. And, um, and then the text says, and the Lord said to Satan, uh, oh, 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 standing before the angel of the Lord, which is a Reference to Christ standing at his right hand to accuse him as Satan. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen uh, Jerusalem rebuke you. I'm going to make this fast. Is he not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed the filthy garments. Again, it's, it's, all a, it's all a metaphor. But there's Joshua standing in his filthy garments. And, um, and, and God turns to Satan and says, uh, you know, that's enough from you. He's one of these brands plucked from the fire. Like you and me. And then listen to this. This is where I brought you. He says, um, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. I will clothe you with pure vestments. The angel of the Lord said that. I mean, what I'm, what I'm trying to illustrate, guys, is the statement that Paul makes in Galatians 3, 27. You are baptized into Christ and put on Christ. Okay, so you stand before God. And there you are. Your garments are filthy because you have been staining them for 68 years in my case. 
been standing there. They're nasty, and, and Satan is snickering and saying, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Young boy, I mean, he's guilty. <laughs> he's as guilty as mud. You need to really just get him. And the angel of the Lord says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, take off his filthy garments and put some new ones on him. Put mine on him. And um, so what, what Paul says in Galatians 3.27 is, I'm not only baptized into Christ, but I am clothed in his righteousness. I have put on Christ. Guys, if I, if I drop dead tonight, I hope the one thing that you will get from me is a sense of your own safety. They're all sons of God through faith in Christ. That's what you are. You have been baptized into Christ and put on Christ. Consequently, you're safe. You're not safe because you, you know, voted Republican. You're not safe because you tithed. Uh, you're not safe because you, um, you know, uh, sacrificed so your kids could have a Christian education. You're safe because you're baptized into Christ. You put on Christ. And God could no more, no more condemn you than he could condemn his own son. And then um, he goes on to make a statement here, guys, that's one of the most revolutionary statements in all of ancient history. In verse 28, he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Um, there is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Guys, um, the same thing that God does to a male, he does to a female. A female is just as baptized into Christ and put on as a male. Now, there are distinctions. I am not a female. I hope you've noticed. There are distinctions between males and females. But when it comes to they're standing with Christ. None of that. None of that matters. Look at that text, guys. Look at verse 28. Look at some of the things that he mentions. Um, he mentions rank. He mentions race. He mentions social status, gender, learning, money, influence. They all count for nothing. They don't make for a hill of beans. When one, has, when one is baptized into Christ, nothing else matters. All of those distinctions that we might like to maintain, they are not maintained by this gospel. Um, guys, um, indeed, a woman and a man are not identical. But in terms of their status with Christ, they're identical. 
what Paul is doing in verse 28 is so revolutionary because he was raising, he was, he raised femaleness to equality with maleness. And that was unheard of in this culture. You know, just as a quick aside, um, I, I cannot understand why any woman would want to convert to Islam. Why would you do that? Why would you go to a place where, this, where your standing is in the exact same footing as anybody else and you return to that kind of bondage and slavery? In fact, you know they have a new term. Uh, the, 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 um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny here. I mean, this is, um, this is now what Islam is trying to do. They are trying to recruit... Jihadis, women who will come and be um, wives of their soldiers, and they've got all this stuff on the the on the web of of romance, and 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 then and and, and these women are going over there and then coming out saying it was awful, it was awful. Get me out of here, get me out of here. And yet, people are buying into this business, ladies and gentlemen. You must understand that the first. The great liberator of women was not Gloria Steinem. It was Jesus Christ. He's the one that has leveled the playing field for us all. Rank, race, social status, gender, learning, money, none of it matters. Um, uh, there is neither male, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then finally, um, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Christians are the genuine and true descendants of Abraham. Um, uh, if you want to see a room full of Jews, here it is. You're all descendants of Abraham's if you're in Christ. That's um, so. So Paul says, "You're sons, you're equal, and you're descendants of Abraham." And he hasn't told you to do anything yet. He's not told you to obey the Ten Commandments. He's not told you to tithe. He's not told you to go do this or that or the other. He's simply trying to tell you who you are, and out of that, we work. That is out of understanding what God, the extremes to which God has gone to make us that, then guess what? Our behavior changes. But you don't behave, you don't change the behavior so that you can become this. You change one's understanding of this so that it'll change their behavior. That is a fundamental gospel principle, ladies and gentlemen, that's been mucked up in, um, in the last 50 years. I hope you got it. Let's quit. Our Father, uh, again, uh, the, the, um, the sense of your ownership over us increases with every verse. The, 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 the reality of what you have done to save people so undeserving as we, it, it expands with each new statement. This, our whole understanding of grace in all of its perfections, and all of its beauties, gets larger and larger the more we study this book.
oh God, uh, would you send your people home tonight with a sense not of smugness or self-satisfaction, but send them home tonight with a sense that they are yours, that they are safe, that they are in Christ and having put on his righteousness will belong to you forever. Lord, um, forgive us that our performance gets in the way of our own sense of security because we keep wondering, have we done enough? And we haven't. The good news is, Christ has. Might that satisfy the longing of your people, and we ask it, of course, in Jesus' name.